there is a scene in the movie Saving Private Ryan. Um, pretty, pretty heavy film. Um, it's not for the faint of heart. Um, but there are a lot of um, a lot of very interesting themes running through that that film. And in one scene, uh, near the end of the film, uh, the characters that we've been following and, and watching their story and seeing the, the difficulties they've they've had going through um, this this mission or, or or conducting this mission to save Private Ryan. They they finally gotten near the end of their mission, and things have, are getting more and more desperate. And they encounter the enemy, and they're in house to house combat um, in this in this urban environment, and and they're fighting in the streets, and they're fighting in the alleys, and they're fighting in the the buildings, the structures. And at one point in the film, um, two sold two two opponents are are locked in 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 hand to hand combat. Their their weapons are. Are, are scattered. They, they don't have the, the, the weapons that they would normally use. Um, they have their hands. They have their, their wits about them, their, their arms and their legs, and, 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 and a knife enters the scene. And there they are, grappling with one another. Now, we as the viewers get to see more of the, the, the situation. We get to see more than just those two soldiers grappling with one another, fighting literally for their lives. We see another soldier in the stairwell, hearing the commotion, frozen, not knowing what to do. And we watch that and we are wishing, we're on the edge of our seat saying, get up, go, go into the room, help your friend, help your buddy who is, who is being overcome by his opponent. But the soldier sits there, totally controlled by his fear. And in a moment the enemy comes walking out of the room having defeated his, his opponent, this other soldier's friend, and walks by the cowering soldier on the stairwell and doesn't even care enough about this soldier to even fight him because he knows he is useless. He's so fearful that He's not even worth fighting with. And so, why, why would that be a significant story for us? I think like us, we're like this soldier. Some of us are the soldiers in the middle of the fight and we're grappling and we're struggling against opponents. 
And remember that Paul taught us our, our battle, our, our warfare, our struggle, our wrestling is not against flesh and blood. It's not against earthly opponents. It's against the spiritual forces, the cosmic powers over this present darkness. It's against the rulers and the authorities, uh, the, en- the spiritual enemies that we're fighting with as believers. Some of us are like that. We're in the middle of the fight. We're grappling. We're struggling. We're wrestling. And we're going, help me. Somebody help me. Who's going who's gonna to lend aid? Some of us are like other soldiers in the story who were victorious, who came out alive, who defeated their enemy and were able to live to tell about it. Some of us are like the soldier cowering on the stairwell, overcome by our fear, stricken by the the seriousness of the battle, not wanting to make a mistake, we don't act. Not wanting to, to fail, not wanting to risk our lives, we hang back. And we hold back and we say, no, let somebody else fight and die. I will stay in a safe place. That, my friends, is not what we have been called to in the Christian life. That is not the example we see in Scripture. That's not the example that we see in our letter to the Philippians in chapter 2 that we have been looking at for some weeks now. So I want to ask you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 25. We've been looking at this letter of Paul to the Philippians, and we've called this series, The Gospel of Joy. Because throughout this, past, throughout this letter, Paul expresses his, ex- his experience of the gospel uh, with great joy. And he talks about his rejoicing. He talks about the joy that he has when he prays for his people. The joy that he has when he sees the gospel advancing in others' lives, even if people are against him personally. And we see how he's, he's praying for the joy of the Philippian believers and their church. church asking that God would increase their joy in their faith. And he's encouraging and he's calling on the Philippians to have joy as well, to be glad, to, be, to rejoice in what they have in Christ and the ministry that they have and the gospel that they have. And, and then we saw last week as Chris brought this message to us from Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 to 24, we saw how Paul was wanting to, to rejoice in the, the, the connection that they have um, had, that they had with Timothy and the service that they had together in the gospel. And he was rejoicing in that. And then today we see how Paul is asking them to have joy in their brother uh, Epaphroditus, another man who had served them well and had served Paul well. And we're going to look at that today verses 25 to 30, and I want to explore this theme of joy in shared ministry. 
joy and shared ministry. Look with me as, as we read these verses together. Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 25, all the way to the end, verse 30, 25 to 30. Follow along with me as I read it aloud. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death, but God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, I ask you to help us to understand what you are, are trying to teach us and tell us through this passage. I pray, God, that you will give us a humble spirit to receive the message, not as a message from man, but as a message from you directly to us. And Lord, by your, by your Spirit, I, I pray that you will give us not only the insight, the understanding, but also the power, the motivation, the courage, Lord, that we need to live this out, to walk out this truth in our lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. The big theme, the big idea that I want to, um, to, to share with you that I believe encapsulates the truth of this passage for us today is this. It is that the mercy of God enables believers to experience joy in shared ministry. It's a, it's a, 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 a pretty loaded statement. And we're going to unpack what that means as we, as we look at the passage itself. But let me state it again. The mercy of God. The mercy of God enables believers to experience joy in shared ministry. Look with me at, at verse 27. It's in verse 27, he says this. He, he's referring to Epaphroditus. And he says, indeed he was ill near ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him. But God had mercy on him. Uh, this, is a, this is a passage that is all about Epaphroditus and the Philippians and Paul's feelings about it. And, and he's writing this note and he's, he's talking about how he's sending Epaphroditus to him. And, 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 and Epaphroditus was obviously one of the Philippians. He was known to them. He was a messenger. He was a minister of the Philippians to Paul. And, and in the middle of this, he talks about the mercy of God. I struggled with this passage because when I, when I study God's Word, I always want to ask the question, some questions like this. Well, who is God in this passage? What is God doing in this passage? 
Uh, how does this passage help me understand God and his plans? I, I always want to ask those questions. And so as I'm studying this passage, I'm thinking, where's God here? You know, what, what's going on? Okay, we have the work of Christ in verse 30, and, but it's, all, it's so focused on, on the, the situation that Paul and Epaphroditus and the Philippians were dealing with. But then I stopped short a couple of times at verse 27, and I, and I, I realized that this passage, this phrase, God had mercy on him, is not just a throwaway passage. It's not a platitude. Paul is not just saying, oh yes, but things went well for Epaphroditus. That's not what he's saying. This is, when Paul talks about God, he doesn't talk about God in platitudes. He doesn't talk about God using, with trite sentiment. When he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, it's not just a motivational um, uh, uh, you know, uh, encouragement to, to get out there and win one for the Gipper. When he talks about, when he says that, that, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ, he didn't say that just to give the Philippians something to put on a coffee mug. Something that will brighten their day. He said these things about God because he believed in the mercy of God. He believed in it wholeheartedly. He spent 11 chapters of the book of Romans talking about the mercy of God before getting to the practical and, and real-life, quote-unquote, relevant stuff that the, the Roman church needed to hear. So I stopped on that, and I began to reflect on the mercy of God. What does it mean to have the mercy of God on us? We saw in the letter to the Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 8, in that reading earlier, how Christ has become our great high priest. That Christ himself has passed through into the holy places by not a sacrifice of an animal, but by the sacrifice of his very self. In order that, because of the mercy of God, we could have access to him. Because God had mercy on us. And, and Paul applies that to Epaphroditus. What was going on with Epaphroditus? In this part of the letter, Paul is saying... I've thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. Here's what was going on. When the Philippians received the letter from Paul, they didn't receive it from a postman. They didn't receive it in the mail. They didn't, they didn't open up the mailbox and go, oh, here's a letter from Paul. Hey, isn't this wonderful? Let's, let's, let's check it out. Let's see what he has to say. No. Here's how they received the letter from Paul. They were gathered together in their home, either in their homes or in a, a public place or wherever they gathered together. And the door opened and in came their friend, Epaphroditus. And here comes Epaphroditus and he's coming to meet them and he's coming to the gathering and he says, 
Hey, everybody, I'm back. I made it back. And guess what? I, I bring with you greetings from our brother Paul. And here is a letter in my satchel. And it's for you. And he wants you all to read it together. And we will be encouraged by what he has to say to you through the letter and through Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus was the bearer of the letter. He was the one who carried this letter to the Philippian church. And if he wouldn't have done that, we wouldn't have it here. <laughs> we wouldn't know it. Epaphroditus was the bearer of the letter. Epaphroditus represented Paul back to the, to the Philippian church. So what was the background here on, on Epaphroditus? Epaphroditus, he says, was a messenger and minister to, um, to Paul's needs, but he was uh, their messenger. He was the Philippians' messenger. He was a representative of the Philippians. He was a minister sent by the Philippians. And so probably the most likely scenario is that that. Epaphroditus was sent by the Philippians because they heard that Paul was in jail. He is, he is sitting in a Roman jail. He is in chains for the gospel. And the Philippians were concerned for, for Paul. Paul had specific needs. He had financial needs. He had physical needs. And the Philippians said, we are going to help Paul with those needs. So we're not going to send something by a postman. We're going to send our brother Epaphroditus. He is going to be our apostle our sent one, our messenger to Paul. He is going to be our uh, priestly minister that he's going to represent us to Paul. So they sent him to Rome. Epaphroditus is on his way to Rome and he gets sick. And he nearly dies on his way. He comes to Paul and he's not, he probably wasn't all that much help. <laughs> But somehow, along the way, he's fallen ill, but he says, I'm going to continue on. I'm not going to stop this. I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to go all the way. I'm going to complete this ministry, this service that I have been giving, given by my church. And so others um, returned home to Philippi after Epaphroditus went on his way. And they came back and they said, hey, church, Epaphroditus is sick. In fact, he's, he might even be dying, and we don't know if we'll ever see him again. And they reported back to the Philippians the illness of Epaphroditus while Epaphroditus is on his way to Paul. And so what happened? The, the, the church got, got worried. They got concerned. They got discouraged. They, they felt sorrow. They, they were distressed. Because they heard that their messenger, their minister to Paul, was, was fallen ill. But what happened? We don't know exactly what it was. We don't know the nature of the illness. We don't know how he was healed. He, he may have got there and, and was able to rest from the long journey and eventually recover naturally. We don't know if maybe there was a supernatural inter interference where, Paul, where Epaphroditus was suddenly healed by, his, by God um, through, through his sickness, or from his sickness. But Paul recognized that it was the mercy of God on him. The mercy of God on Epaphroditus that not only healed him, but enabled him to complete the ministry that he had been sent to complete. It's all about the mercy of God. 
It's the mercy of God that enables us as believers to experience joy in this kind of shared ministry, the kind of shared ministry that Paul had with Epaphroditus and with the Philippian church. So if we can understand the mercy of God, we can understand these three things that I want us to key in on, see in the work and the ministry of the Epaphroditus, um, and, and let's key in on these things. Let's key in on the work of Christ, the love of Christ, and risk for Christ. These are the things that Epaphroditus exemplifies. We could look at this passage again and even, even just meditating on the mercy of God, we have a hunch as to why Paul wrote what he wrote here. But the question that kind of that, that struck me uh, as the guiding question was, was, why did Paul write this about Epaphroditus? Why did he write what he wrote? What was he trying to encourage in the Philippians? What, was, what does he want us to be encouraged by? What does he want us to learn and to know and to, to leave here with today? So let's look at these three things because I think they're part of the key. The, because of the mercy of God, because of the mercy of God, we do the work of Christ. Because of the mercy of God, we do the work of Christ. Look at how Epaphroditus is described. He's described as my brother. Um, the, the, that, that, that word itself, it, it really it stands for, um, in the old Bibles, it's, it's brethren, and which is, a, is a, I think, a good generic term. It's a, almost, a, I think it's a, it's a better term in that it refers to siblings, brothers and sisters. But Epaphroditus is referred to as my brother, um, meaning that we have one God who is Father. Um, it's, not just, it's not just, hey, we're Christians, we're brothers, yeah, yeah, everything's good, hunky-dory, or it's the brotherhood of man, the, the commonality that we have together. We're all brothers together um, because we are one human race. Well, what makes us brothers with everybody else, if, if it's not for Christ, what's, what, what unites us all together is our common sinfulness, <laughs> the co- our common situation, the fact that we're all sinners. That's what really unites people of different cultures and different races or different ethnicities or different backgrounds or, or different ages or different periods of time. That's what really unites us unless it's Christ who then unites us in Him and unites us in the mercy of God. But, the, but being a brother meant that they were one in Christ, that they had the same spiritual, heavenly Father. And he calls them a fellow worker. Now, this fellow worker, or, or another way of putting it would be a co-worker, is, is somebody that has the same job, has the same mission. They're on the same, uh, they're on the same workforce. They're, they're in the same team. And they're working together. And, and Paul saw Epaphroditus just as he saw Timothy and just as he saw other brothers and sisters he refers to later in chapter 4. He calls Clement and he calls Clement and the rest of my fellow workers. As he's talking about the Philippians, he's talking about the people there. He's saying, you're all my fellow workers. We're all on the same team. We're all working towards the same goal, the glory of God in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then he calls him his fellow soldier. And this is a significant, significant 
phrase. A co-soldier, a fellow soldier, a soldier together, somebody who's on the front lines together. Somebody who's like, like those soldiers that, that we saw in the film Saving Private Ryan, who are struggling together against a common enemy, who are living and dying in the trenches with one another. And that's how Paul saw Epaphroditus. He's a fellow soldier with me. He's working together with me. Just like he encouraged the Philippians when he told them that they were to be in one mind, striving side by side, not frightened in anything by your opponents. That they were to be struggling together. That they were to be engaged in the same conflict. And so Philippians could hear that phrase and they could immediately think, oh, that's, that's like the soldiers that we see together guarding, um, garrisoning the, 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 the city. In Philippi, the Roman soldiers who are here to protect our city as a Roman colony. And we see that and we know that. And and we can think about the soldiers that we know in our lives or we have seen in our lives and sort of draw some comparisons to that experience and to see how Paul was, was working with Epaphroditus in that way. But then he's called your messenger and your minister. And I've already, I've already shared how that that was, uh, that was uh, a, a connection that Epaphroditus had to the Philippian church. He was their messenger. He represented them. He was their minister. He, uh, he served in their place. And he served Paul. That's how Epaphroditus is described. And he's described that way, look with me at, at verse 30, and, and see what he said about, about Epaphroditus' work. He said he nearly died for the work of Christ. For the work of Christ. Well, the work of Christ is sort of encapsulated in all those other things that he said in verse 25, has he, how he's his brother, how he's his fellow worker, fellow soldier, how he's your messenger and your minister. The work of Christ. What keeps us from the work of Christ? What keeps us from, from expressing our brotherhood with one another? What keeps us from, from being a fellow worker, a fellow soldier? What keeps us from ministering to one another as Epaphroditus did to Paul in going to him, in bringing a gift to him, in, in praying with him, in finding out what his real needs were? were. Well, the thing that keeps uh, most people from work is laziness. We just get lazy about it. And we think, I know there's work to be done, but I would rather do something more comfortable. I would rather do my thing. That's too hard. I don't want, if I was Epaphroditus, I might say something like this. I don't want to take that trip. That's a, that's a long trip. That's a dangerous trip. I don't want to miss out on the things that I've got going on in my home. I've got my family here. I've got my work here. But to, to leave all of that and go on this, this short-term mission trip, so to speak, <clears throat> would be a lot of work. I don't think I'm into that. I don't think I want to do that. 
But that's not what God has called us to do. He hasn't called us to be comfortable. He hasn't called us to be nobodies in the kingdom. He's called us to be fellow workers. He's called us to be fellow soldiers. He's called us to be sent ones. Jesus said to his disciples, As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. That's the, that's the work of a messenger. That's the work of an apostle. That's the work of a minister. And he's called us all to do that. We don't know if Epaphroditus was an elder. We don't know if he was a deacon. Paul doesn't call him any of those things. He was just a brother. He was just a follower of Jesus. He was just doing the work of Christ to help somebody else in need to help expand the gospel of Jesus Christ in the world. And he worked. Because of the mercy of God, we do the work of Christ, but we also share the love of Christ. Look with me at verse uh, look, look, look with me at verse 26. That's where we're going to see this. For he has been longing for you all, it says. Epaphroditus was longing for all of the Philippians. He was longing for his brother. What does that mean? Paul said something, he used the exact word, translated a little bit different, in chapter 1, verse 8, when he says, For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. He longed for, he yearned for the Philippian church with the affection of Christ Jesus. He loved that church. That was the love of Christ that was in him that compelled him to love the Philippians. And we see Epaphroditus has the same longing, the same yearning. He loves the Philippians. He cares about them. He has compassion on them. And he's distressed. And you know why he's distressed? You know why he's longing for them? You know why he's disturbed? Because they are worried about him. How many times is that the testimony of somebody you know who falls ill, who gets sick, who's going through trials, who's going through circumstances, difficult circumstances, and they say, I'm just worried about all the people because they are afraid for me. I, I'm, I, I long for them. I love them so I have so much compassion for the people who are praying for me because I'm sick and everyone's worried about me and everyone's distressed because I'm sick and, and it just, it hurts my heart. I don't know if we hear that very often. It's kind of unusual. I think maybe in the more sensitive souls you might hear something like that, right? But, but the irony here is that, is that Epaphroditus, when he hears how troubled the Philippian church was because of his sickness, he's concerned for them. And he longs for them. That longing, that longing is, is, is an expression to, or is a desire to share the love of Christ. It is the love of Christ in him that gives him that longing, that yearning. And, and that's not just, that's not just um, I, I feel strongly for somebody. But that's, I want to be with them so badly. I just want to be in their presence. I want to fellowship with them again. I want to break bread and share a meal with them again. I want to sit around the table or the living room and I want to have those conversations again. I want to have that fellowship. Not, not just the, the, 
have have uh, surfacey conversations over finger food, finger food, but to have the real fellowship that comes because the love of Christ is in them and that they're sharing it together. What keeps us from that? What keeps us from sharing that kind of love with one another? Experiencing that level of joy in our shared ministry. Probably a lot of the same things that prevent us from work. Because sometimes the love of Christ means work. (laughs) Sometimes loving other people is a lot of work. It's hard. It's difficult. Most often, the thing that keeps us from it is, I don't really know them that well. Or, but they're so different from me. Or, we don't have a lot in common. Remember what, remember what was going on in the church in Philippi? And, and Chris reminded us of that last week. Remember the diversity of the Philippian church? Here's a, a Roman jailer, somebody who's a professional soldier, who's, who's been that for his career. Maybe he's a little bit of rough. Maybe he's a little bit callous. Maybe he's um, a little bit hard-nosed. And then there's, then there's this, this small businesswoman who has her own kind of thing, and she loves God, and she's, she's pretty well-to-do in the community, and she's pretty well-respected. And then there's this slave girl who's the lowest of the low, who's, who's nobody in anybody's economy, but loves Jesus and was transformed and healed by, by, by Jesus through the work and the ministry of Paul. And then you've got to think about all of the people that they know, all the people connected to them. And if there was a certain kind of de- demographic in Philippi, it was represented in the church, guaranteed. Because that's how the church was. And it's, that's how the church is. A bunch of people with a lot of differences, a lot of different interests, all united in Christ. And Epaphroditus longed for them, wanted to fellowship with them, wanted to be reunited with them so that their joy could increase in their shared ministry. What's keeping us from that? Perhaps we need to get over the fact that we're different from one another. Get over the fact that we don't have a lot of things in common. We have Christ and that's enough. They had Christ and that was enough. The third thing, because of the mercy of God, we risk, we risk for Christ. Look look with me at verse 30 again. He nearly died for the work of Christ. It says, risking his life. Risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Well, I've already kind of shared with you the background of the risk that Paul, or excuse me, that Epaphroditus made. Leaving Philippi, traveling to Rome, falling ill on the way. He took a huge risk to go to be with Paul, to what he said is to complete or fulfill what was lacking in your service to me. The word service here is uh, the same word used in verse 25 when he talks about Epaphroditus being their minister to him, their minister or their servant. And he says, and he uses the same kind of root word in verse 30 when he talks about their service to Paul. It took a risk. 
Epaphroditus had to leave his comfortable place and he had to take a risk and go someplace where he wasn't sure what was going to happen. He had to go someplace where he wasn't sure what the road would be like. He had to go someplace because God had compelled him to. The mercy of God was on him even before he was healed of his illness. He nearly died for the work of Christ, Paul says. But he didn't. He took the risk. He didn't know how it was going to turn out. He could have died for Christ. He could have died trying to complete this service. And he was willing to take the risk. Not many of us are going to, are going to be in a place like Epaphroditus. Risking our lives in a culture, in an environment where to, to know somebody represents Christ, to know somebody that's associated with a prisoner of Rome would be to risk their own life. To travel at times of the year in certain places in the world, in the ancient Near East, when that kind of travel meant risking your literal life to the elements. Epaphroditus was willing to risk it. What are we willing to risk? What, are, what, is, what is the gospel of God worth to us? For, for Epaphroditus, it was worth everything. It was worth risking his own life for in order to see the gospel advance through Paul and through the work that the Philippians had in the gospel. Notice, notice how you can just see coming off the page of this, of this paragraph, the love, the shared, the t- togetherness that Epaphroditus, that Paul, and that the Philippians had together. The shared ministry that they had, that the work of Christ was worth risking for. If we think about that in our lives, is there somebody that needs to be reached? What kind of a risk will it take? I've heard some testimonies earlier. It's a risk to invite somebody to your Thanksgiving meal who is very different, who lives differently, who believes differently, to risk that and then to risk sharing the good news with them. It's a risk having a conversation with somebody at the checkout line in the store, right? To risk engaging with somebody. It's a risk inviting a family into your home that you don't know that you've never never had that kind of fellowship with before and just say, come to my home and fellowship here and we'll serve you and we'll, we'll love you and we'll treat you like family. That's a risk. It's a risk standing up before the church and saying, God's called me to a particular area of service. It's a risk to serve as an elder. 
It's a risk to serve as a deacon. It's a risk to serve as a children's worker or as a musician or as a setup crew or as a sound technician or in all of the other ways that we serve. It is a risk to put our lives out there. It's a risk because by, by putting on the armor of God, by getting into the battle, by signing up, by enlisting, by getting on the boat or the plane and being dropped into enemy territory, we risk much. But that's the only way the battle is won. That's the only way the gospel advances. Is if we become the brother, the fellow worker, the fellow soldier, the messenger, the minister that we have exemplified in Epaphroditus here. I think that's what Paul was trying to, to, trying to get at. Paul's writing this, and he's saying, Philippians, here's Epaphroditus, here's what he's like, here's, what, here's how he's worked, here's how he has loved, here has, is how he has risked for the gospel. Be like Epaphroditus. He's an example to you, Paul's saying. But then I thought about that on a deeper level. <laughs> Epaphroditus isn't just a great guy. And yes, he did an amazing ministry. But the reason why Epaphroditus is exemplified here for the Philippians and for us is because he is just a small Reflection of Christ. The Christ who risked for us. He left everything. He left his glory. He emptied himself. He took the form of a servant. He humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. He was the brother, the true brother, the good brother, the faithful brother to us. He is our fellow worker. He is working with us, in us, through us for the sake of the gospel. He is our fellow soldier. He is the one who has taken the bullet for us. He is the one who fought the enemy and we thought had died but we find that his death itself was the victory. He is the messenger, the true messenger, the true apostle, the one sent from God to us. He is the minister, the one who performs the priestly service, going through the curtain, sacrificing himself. That is why Paul wrote what he wrote about Epaphroditus. Because we need to hear that it is not about us. That it is not about what we bring to the table. It's not about our qualifications. It's not about how good we are. It's not about how many things we have under control in our lives. It's about the mercy of God that is on us in Jesus Christ. My brothers and sisters, that's, that's the message of the gospel for us today. That's what we need to hear. 
We need to hear that and then we need to have joy. Joy in our shared ministry. We need to remind, remind ourselves that, that the things that we're going through, difficult circumstances, um, the things that we may find pleasant about the ministry that we do, the victories that we experience, that all those are wonderful and we should rejoice in Thanksgiving community services and we should rejoice in volunteers and we should rejoice in all of those things. But let's not let our joy settle on the mud pies when we could have a holiday at the sea. Christ is much greater. Christ is far better. And our joy is always, always rooted in the mercy of God. So let's share the ministry together. Let's rejoice in it together because of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. That's why we share ministry together. And that's why we can have joy in what He's doing and what we're doing for Him. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word to us today. Thank You for teaching us. Thank You for giving us Jesus. Thank You for enabling us to have that kind of joy in shared ministry. We love You. We give You all the praise, all the glory. In Jesus' name, Amen.